This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 44 of a Clean Skate podcast, a Dallas Stars podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We have some exciting news, and don't worry, we will be getting to the trade deadline, uh, you know, that whole thing. I'll be doing a bit of a quick hits near the end of the episode. We've got another exciting guest on later in the episode, so I think what I'm going to be doing is recapping the one game against Carolina, and then I will get to the interview and all the other good stuff that I know you guys want to hear about. So we start off this week's round of games with the Stars playing the Carolina Hurricanes in Carolina. This is the game where, as I said in the last episode, the emergency backup goalie for Carolina in their win over the Toronto Maple Leafs was in Carolina. He was the one uh, hyping up the crowd. He does their little storm call or whatever the the hell it is getting the crowd into it and the building was rocking and i was excited to see this game this was also the first game for the carolina hurricanes since uh the trade deadline they had acquired some new pieces Uh, i'll touch on it a little bit more later in the episode like i said but one of the new pieces they had in there was vincent trocek they got from the panthers they also got brady shea from the Rangers, and I'm sure I'm forgetting, I'm pretty sure they got another defenseman in there because they just love having a million defensemen. But there is always a bit of a feeling out period between, you know, a new player and their new team getting used to systems and stuff like that. So I figured that, you know, the Stars would have, who had basically, who did no movements over the trade deadline, would have a bit of a leg up in the sense that their team is solid and, and there's no one getting used to the system. Everyone knows the system. So maybe they could capitalize on that. The other interesting thing is like i said they had to use the emergency backup goalie in their game against toronto their last game the hurricanes did so in this game they have called up i'm not even uh, i'm gonna say this name maybe twice in this episode because i don't think i'll be able to pronounce it again but it's nadaljevic uh, don't quote me on that one i'm pretty sure it's N- nadaljevic is how you pronounce that one so they've got a ahl goalie in net and some new pieces so the stars i was feeling pretty confident about this one anton hudobin was in net versus the aforementioned carolina hurricanes goalie i'm not saying it again well maybe one more time we'll see what happens and just like that 51 seconds into the game tyler sagan scores his 16th of the season it's a really hard forecheck by perry that causes a turnover uh, along the left half boards and Jamie Ben just throws the puck at the net. Tyler Sagan goes between the legs with his stick to redirect on net. The goalie saves it, but then he is able to shovel the rebound in as he's falling down to give the Stars the one nothing lead. After that flurry of shots right at the beginning, the Hurricanes begin to control play, but they're taking lots of outside shots. Hudoman's really not having 
any problems with it. And the stars are really strong on the penalty kill. And then later in that period, with a two minutes and 40 seconds left, Rupe Hint scores his 18th goal of the season. They are now on a line that I love this whole game. Spoiler alert, this line dominated all game. They were dangerous. It was really fun to watch. I even tweeted out during the game that we are watching the Stars future forwards and leaders of this team play amazing in this game. But they had a line of Dickinson, Gurionov, and Hintz. Just a speed demon line. And Hintz opens the scoring for that line on the power play. It is a pass from Gurionov out of the zone. Hits Hints with speed, and then he goes one-on-one -on -one with Joel Edmondson. He absolutely undresses him. He pulls the puck between Edmondson's stick and then goes around him. And then as he's going around him, he's able to hoist a backhander past Nadaljevic. There it is. And give the Stars a 2-0 lead. The Stars weren't done there with 50.9 seconds left. Again, Jason Dickinson, he is the center on this line. He scores his ninth of the season. It's a clean faceoff win by the Hurricanes in the Stars zone. Alexiak is able to get to the puck before, I'm pretty sure it's Edmondson again, can on the faceoff win. He pokes it past him. It leads to a three-on-one with Alexiak, Hints, and Dickinson. Hints shoots, misses wide, and everyone, the puck sort of comes right back out the other side, and Dickinson is all alone in front. He smashes the rebound home to give these Stars a 3 nothing lead heading into the first intermission. The shots at the end of that first period are 11 to seven for the Hurricanes, and then two minutes and 33 seconds into the second period, Sebastian Ajo scores his 36th of the season. The Stars get caught on a partial change. They're not able to get everyone out. It's a bit of a slow change. Ajo enters the zone, dances past Pavelski, throws a backhander over to Slavin. Slavin with the give and go to Ajo, who pulls the puck from escape to his stick and fires it past Hudobin to cut the lead to only two for the Stars. Heiskanen then hits the post, and the Hurricanes are still controlling the zone, but the Stars, with very few chances, are capitalizing on what they are given, and Gurionov completes the hat-trick for the line. Gurionov scores his 18th of the season with a 6-15 left in the second period. It's again a Hurricanes turnover on the left half boards. Rupe Hintz taps it over to Gurionov, who's skating backwards in the slot. He's able to control it with a little toe drag, snipes it low blocker past the Hurricanes goalie. The Hurricanes are slowly and slowly, you know, running away on the shot clock. At the end of the second, the shots are 22 to 15 for the Hurricanes. And then we head into the third period, and it is all Hudobin. The Stars only get one shot in this third period, and the... Hurricanes were throwing the everything in the kitchen sink at Hudobin. He stopped everything in that third period, hold it, it down to win the game 4-1. to one. The final shots in this one were 41-16 to 16 for the Hurricanes. Like I said, the Stars only got one shot in that third period. The Hurricanes had 19 in that third period. Hudobin was fantastic. The Stars go 1-3 for three on the power play and 4-4 four for four on the penalty kill to improve to 37-20-6. This is for you, Hudobin. A really strong effort by Hudobin in that one. Really awesome to get that win, especially if maybe they didn't deserve it on the shot clock in, in terms of possession. But now I want to pivot over to this week's guest segment. This week I have a special guest. We have Richie Flores from Sporty with Corey and Richie, the 
Arizona Coyotes podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I caught up with Richie, and we talked Arizona Coyotes since we played them a few weeks ago, and I thought it'd be good to get their perspective on the season. So without further ado, here is the interview with him for this week. All right, everyone, it is that time. We have our interview for the week. This time we have our first time on the podcast. We have Richie Flores from Sporty with Corey and Richie, the Arizona Coyotes podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, Welcome to the show, uh, Richie. Happy to be with you, my dude. It's uh, always a pleasure to cross over into uh, my new friends with the Central Division which uh, Coyotes fans will get to know quite well over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, so obviously one of the big reasons uh, I, I thought of you guys and wanted to have you guys on is obviously the Dallas Stars met up with the Coyotes uh, this past week. So I guess uh, I'm just thinking on your opinion. Obviously, the Stars won, so I'm not going to dunk on you too much, but I want to get your opinion <laughs> on, from a Coyotes point of view uh, on how those that game went. Yeah, I mean, so actually, funny, funnily enough, that game was on uh, on a day where Corey and I were recording our show. I think it was on a Wednesday, right? And yeah, I believe so, so, yeah. Yeah, so Corey and I were recording our show, like, directly in the aftermath of that game. And uh, both of us were really, really frustrated because it was one of those games where we felt like the Coyotes played well enough to win that game. And they had plenty of opportunities to do that. I thought the Coyotes were the better five-on-five team in that game. It was just um, the Coyotes' penalty kill, I, you know, failed them in that game. I think they gave up the two power play goals early, and mm-hmm. that's what cost them. Uh, and then, oh, and then Jamie Benn probably should have – I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Jamie Benn should have been suspended for that hit on OEL. I thought it was a, it was a trash hit, personally, but – uh, wasn't the biggest fan of that. And, you know, the Stars did a good job in killing that off. They only got the one Taylor Hall goal. But it was certainly a fun game. It was a frustrating game. But uh, it, it was it was a fun game to watch. That was for sure. I'll say that. The, the Coyotes and the Stars strike me as a team that play very similar um, defensive styles. They, they play, you know, very tight forechecking. They, their forwards yep. really help out with defense. <laughs> They've got really, really strong goaltending. So, so the, the Stars and Coyotes play a very similar system. Uh, that's what I noticed the most from watching that game. Yeah, that's, I, think we've, that's, I think the Coyotes have played the Stars twice this year, and it's been that way both times where they've been, you know, very close hockey games. And that first game here in, in Glendale, the Coyotes held that third, had a two-goal third period lead and just let it flush it straight down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at the time but I mean yeah you're 100% correct and it's that's something that's the one thing where the Coyotes have struggled with I think over the last probably I'd say month and a half or so since the middle of December is they've kind of gotten away from that defensive system that they were playing so well in the first half of the season and that's why when you look at the standings right now they're below the cut line in the in the Western Conference because um, mm-hmm. they were making too many defensive mistakes. And as you know, like if, when there's breakdowns in the in your defensive zone, there's only so much Darcy Kemper, Auntie Ronto, or in the case of the Stars, Ben Bishop can do. You know? Yeah, yes, yes, no, for sure. Uh, it, it's one of those things that's like they, they play really solid defense until they don't, and then you better hope your goalie yeah. bails you out. 
Exactly. <laughs> and so you mentioned Taylor Hall obviously scored in that one. Um, the Coyotes were relatively quiet at the trade deadline that just happened. Uh, and I think, is it safe to assume that Taylor Hall was sort of their early trade deadline? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, that's, so how, that's how do you feel about him? Yeah, that's been the frustrating thing as for most Coyotes fans. And for me, you know, I, I'm around the team a lot. I go to most of the games. I was at the game uh, against the Florida Panthers on, on Tuesday night. Taylor Hall's been great, right? He's been their best player ever since they acquired him. And he's developing some really great chemistry with Christian Dvorak, the center of his line. Connor Garland played on that line for a little bit, and Connor Garland is the leading goal scorer for the Coyotes this year. But Taylor Hall hasn't been the problem for this team this year. He's been a, a great addition. And unfortunately for the, for the Coyotes, it's just been some of their other top six players that have faltered, you know, in the second half of the season. Talking about Phil Kessel, who has vastly underperformed. What I, I, I thought he was going to have – look, he wasn't never going to be as good as he was in Pittsburgh, right? I think we all figured mm-hmm. he was going to take a little bit of a drop this year, but not like this. He's not even scored 20 goals this year, which is crazy. So Phil Kessel, um, Nick Schmaltz, and Clinton Keller have struggled in the second half of the season. And I think that's a lot of the reason why, you know, the Coyotes aren't – in addition to their defensive struggles too, they're just not getting the scoring from the guys they need to score in order to get to that kind of that three-goal mark, which is kind of their – um, like if they get to three goals, they're going to win most of the hockey games because of their goaltending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but uh, you know, yeah, Taylor Hall, the addition was great. I, if I, if I had to do over, I'd totally do it again. Um, okay. You know, I, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just frustrating because you get a guy like that who's played so well. And for whatever reason, the Coyotes just, just haven't been able to put it into two points on a consistent basis. So do you think then, because I, I believe if, if I'm, you know, not mistaken, Taylor Hall's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, correct? Yes. So in your, in like, are you predicting, do you think Taylor Hall will be an Arizona Coyote for next season? So I've said this from the time they acquired him, that he wasn't going to resign here. You don't think? Uh, no. And my only like caveat to that was that if they were to make the playoffs and they made a run to the Western conference final, but like, he's going to command 10 plus million dollars from somebody. And I just don't see the Coyotes paying that much money. to one guy, uh, um, considering they have some new contracts coming up, Clayton Keller has a new contract coming up. Mitch Schmaltz has a new contract coming up. They're already paying Oliver Ekman-Larsen $8 million a year. Uh, way, way overpaying him. Uh, but, I mean, I will say this. Apparently, from what I understand, because he is uh, – the Coyotes do have the – they're the only team that can offer him an eight-year contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he – in order, like, is an incentive to re-sign with, with their current team. So, that's interesting. Um, apparently, uh, on a recent road trip, the Coyotes were playing up in Montreal. And uh, the Coyotes owner, Alex Marullo, Taylor Hall – and his agent and John Chaika, they all met up and had a dinner there. So, I mean, would it shock me if he re-signed with the Coyotes? No, but I'm not expecting it to happen. Like, I'd probably put it at, like, an 80% chance he signs elsewhere. Um, 
So Go then, ahead. I mean, with, with the, the, um, the trade deadline, right, he was sort of the acquisition there for you guys. And then other mm-hmm. than that, I mean, the trade deadline has come and passed and uh, the Coyotes were quiet. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? They sort of are like, all right, we got Taylor Hall, our guy, early in the season and we're sticking to our guns now. Yeah, it didn't shock me at all. I, I was a little surprised that they didn't try and sell off some more guys and sell off some more of those contracts from, from some people. You know, like I, Michael Grabner is a guy who I think would have had some value for some other teams, right? He, mm-hmm. he has mm-hmm. about a $3.5 million cap hit, I think. Um, and I think he is a free agent at the end of this year. Or actually, he might have one. He has a – I have to look it up. I don't have it in front of me. But – Either he is a, a free agent at the end of this year or he has one more year on left on his contract. But he's been scratched for quite a bit of the season. And so he's kind of like a wasted player on this team. And Grabner I think does he would have, have been a, Grabner has one more year. He, so he signed through 2020. Uh, he signed okay, through yeah. Uh, yeah, 2021. Okay, cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. So, I mean, he was a guy that I think would have been the perfect piece to move at the deadline. Uh, he had a no trade clause, however, so that was probably a little bit of a sticking point. But he would have been good for for somebody, maybe even a team like a, a Dallas Stars, who uh, want a little bit of extra help on their penalty kill. A guy who is one of the fastest skaters in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many breakaways this guy got on the penalty kill or, or or elsewhere. But unfortunately for him, he just wasn't able to bury any of those chances. So I was a little surprised that maybe he wasn't. Didn't get a lot more traction around the league. Um, you know, they do have a couple other expiring contracts or bad contracts, like Alex Goligoski, uh, who I think is making six plus million dollars. Um, you know, I I would have liked to maybe have seen him move just to give him a little bit more cap room to make some moves in the offseason. But it didn't surprise me at all that they they you know they kind of stood where they were. Like you said, their big move was the Taylor Hall move. So um, uh. you know, it, it made sense for them to stay where they were. And, and I mean, so you mentioned like Grabner obviously hasn't been performing this year. It seems like a lot of the depth pieces that were clicking last season for the Coyotes, like Grabner scored a ton last season. Uh, mm-hmm. Brad, Brad Richardson scored a ton last season. He's having a, a, a tougher season. seems like a lot of the depth pieces that were working quite well last season are, are, are tailing off there. Uh, I mean, yeah. no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of guys that are underperforming. Uh, Corey and I, I were actually discussing this in our, on our show back on, on, on Monday's show where we had brought up, you know, Derek Stepon, and he's a guy who was a big acquisition for this team a couple of years ago. But if you look at his numbers, his numbers have gone down every season since he came to the Coyotes. And this year is another case of that where he might not even get to you know, barely pass 30 points this season mm-hmm. um, as one of your veteran leaders of, on this team. So you look at a guy like him, you, look, you do look at Brad Richardson on the fourth line who hasn't been good at all this year for the most part. Granted, he has goals in back-to-back games, so he's got six goals on the season now, but um, he's been below average. Uh, Christian Fisher's been below average. He's one of their guys that's kind of like your little bit more quintessential power forward type of players where, you know, he gets into guys' faces. He's usually good on the forecheck but he just hasn't been able to find his scoring touch at the NHL level yet. So he's been a guy that's underperformed. And I think that's, I think that's a lot of the, and I already mentioned Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz who just are, have gone so cold over this last half, you know, last 20 games of the season where I think Clayton Keller has something like four goals 
in his last uh, probably last since the turn to 2020. I think he's got four goals. I think oh. Nick Schmaltz has something like five or six points since you know January 1st. So which is which is and, crazy because those were the two guys that were leading the offense. Like Schmaltz was leading the the team in scoring until you guys got Taylor Hall there. Yeah, exactly, and. And it's no, yeah, that's no shock that when they were doing well at the beginning of the season, those guys were rolling and they were uh, a lot, you know, they were putting up and stretches like a point per game, basically. And that's just not happening anymore. And you can tell. And that's like the thing, that's the thing with both of those guys is they're so, so like streaky. And that's mm-hmm. Clayton Keller's big bugaboo really since he was a rookie where he had stretches as a rookie where he he wouldn't show up. He had stretches in his sophomore season where he wouldn't show up. And now he's in this stretch now where he just, just seemingly just lost his confidence to score. And uh, so it's just been like a – you can't tell. It's been like a confluence of events here that just have led to the Coyotes crapping the bed <laughs> recently. Now find themselves out of a playoff spot. So, so do you think – I mean, obviously, uh, John Trika, your guys' GM there um, – he, he made, made the hall move sort of at the point where Schmaltz and Keller were playing really well. So do you mm-hmm. think he saw that and thought, you know, I bring Taylor Hall in, now we can run two really potent um, second – or two really potent top two lines there, right? Because that, like, that's the ideal. You're trying to run, you know, two, maybe three really strong scoring lines. Do you think if, if like, let's flip-flop, let's say Keller and Schmaltz start the season off really cold, do you think Chaika makes that same hall trade? Oh, absolutely. I think he does. Because either way, you're looking at bringing in a Hart Trophy winner, you know, either, either mm. way. So, like, in my opinion, when they acquired Taylor Hall, a lot of people, including myself, were looking at this roster and, and we were all saying, holy smokes, this is the best roster top to bottom the Coyotes have maybe ever had. And that includes, like, their run to the Western Conference Final where they end up losing to the Kings back in 2012, where you look at that roster, and it was basically a lot of guys you had – you were like, Ray Whitney? Wait a minute. He's like 37 years old. Shane Doan? What? Uh, Br- yeah. Briz Golov was the goalie, wasn't he? Bri- yeah, Briz was the goalie for one season uh, in 2009-2010. Oh, uh, okay. So he was – yeah. And then Mike Smith was the goalie in 2012, right, actually. Right. Um, so you look, go back and look at those rosters like – it's a bunch of nobodies. So you look at this mm-hmm. roster, like Taylor Hall, Clayton Keller, you know, uh, <laughs> Phil Kessel, for goodness sake. Yeah. And you look at Schmaltz. And then you look at – and then, like I said, Keller. And then you look at their defense. And Jacob Chickren's emerging into an elite-level talent in this league. And you're like, holy crap, this team is, like, built. And then, oh, yeah, Darcy Kemper and Auntie Ranta. This team is built to make a playoff run. And then, and then just everything came crashing, crashing and burning. <laughs> And so, now we're so, all cry. So then um, transitioning away from the forwards a little bit, I mean, I, I still think personally, and, I, and I'm never going to not admit it, I think the Stars have the best goalie tandem, but not far behind are, you know, sort of out of nowhere. I remember watching Darcy Kemper a couple of years ago at playing in the World Championships. And I was mm-hmm. like, who is this guy? Why is he their starting goaltender? And then that next season, he just like exploded. And, and I, you know, I thought, oh, it's going to be a one-off. But he's like continued his strong play. Ranta has been good. Uh, but obviously they're, 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 the downfall here is, is health. But I just talk about how, how much you love having good goalies. Am I right? It's, uh, yeah, that was one of their strongest 
if not their strongest uh, point, you know, early in the season was Darcy Kemper, uh, you know, 40 games in the season before he got hurt was probably your leading candidate for the Vezina Trophy. Oh, and then you had a guy in Antiranta who was putting up above average numbers too. And then both of them, obviously, Darcy Kemper just came back and gave up two goals to the Florida Panthers after missing, you know, two months with an injury. But it seems like they both were kind of dealing with injury problems at the same time. And I, there's some people who are like, oh, well, you know, that's why the Coyotes have, have struggled is because of their goalie situation. And I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of Coyotes fans are very, very unfair to Antiranta, quite frankly. Um, for whatever reason, a lot of it may be due to his injury, his injury history. Um, but Antiranta, like he had – he put up one of the most incredible goalie performances I've seen in a long time. I don't know if you caught the highlights or, or, or whatever, but uh, he stopped 45 of 46 shots on the road in St. Louis. Yeah, that's, Coyotes, that's, a, that's a tough building to play in, too. Yeah, and the Coyotes lost that game. He only gave up the one goal, and the Coyotes lost because they only put up 14 shots. But, wow. uh so yeah, I, I love both Darcy Kemper and Auntie Ronta equally. I wish they would have been healthy together for the entire season. But um and I you know, I for a while there I was one of those guys who was like, oh, we just just get Darcy Kemper back in the last 30 games of the year and they'll be fine. And unfortunately for the Coyotes, I think it's too late. I mean Darcy Kemper's gonna be great. He's probably gonna put up his elite level numbers and those, you know, two goals a game, but it's just too late, unfortunately, for the Coyotes now, I think. So then that's a good segue into, you know, your predictions for, I mean, the, uh, the Pacific division there for you guys. I'm curious to see how you think it's going to all shake out. Yeah. I, uh, so for the longest time, I was one of those people, there were a lot of Coyotes fans jumping off the ledge. As soon as Darcy Kemper went down, we're like, Oh, we're screwed. We're not making the playoffs. And I was like, the time I was like, no guys, hang on. They'll be fine. There's plenty of time everybody's so mixed up in the Western conference right now. All they have to do is just hang around, play decent hockey, you know, play up to a, a 500 record more or less basically. And then the last 10 games of the season, as long as you're in the race at that point, well, they'll be able to decide it then basically. But unfortunately for them, they've been so bad. Like they haven't even, they haven't been a 500 team even close to that. I think, I don't have their exact record in front of me because it depresses me too much, but they're, um, they're, they went on a stretch where they had only won like two games in regulation, I think out of 15. And I can, I can give you their record if, if you want it. Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. The Coyotes right now through 66 games played are 31, 27 and eight with 70 points. There, there you go. Exactly. And, they, and most of those points have come recently, unfortunately. But this team's not making the playoffs. I, they had a loss against Ottawa on the road. <laughs> and as soon as that happened, I said to myself, they're done. You just can't go on the road to a team that, at the time, had a minus 44 goal differential with the Ottawa Senators and lose if you want to make the playoffs. And, yeah. and, and in addition to that, you look at some of the teams behind them, the Coyotes have played the most games in the Western Conference, and that's what's going to come back to bite them. Is they're just unless they get everybody losing at the exact same time, which is just not going to happen. I don't care if the Coyotes go on a five-game win streak; that's probably still not even going to be enough. Like 
in my opinion, they need to get to at least 91 points, I'd say, to even have a chance or sniff either that third seed in the Pacific or one of those two wild cards. And uh, they need 21 points to do it, and I just don't see it happening. I mean, this team – that it doesn't sound crazy. Like, playoff teams should be able to go 8-4 and 5, I think is what I ended up uh, coming to in terms of their record down the stretch. But it's, it's just an uphill battle for this team. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, that's kind of disheartening to hear. Uh, I, I will say I actually I lived in Glendale, Arizona for about five years uh, through, nice. through elementary and middle school. So I have a signed Shane Doan, Peter Mueller, Phoenix Coyotes jersey in my in my closet. So I am they're probably my second favorite team. So so that's that's disheartening to hear. I got to tell you. Well, I'm glad that there is a uh, – I'm talking to another former uh, Arizonan, so that's pretty dope. So yeah, I'm glad yeah. that there is some connection to the Coyotes there. <laughs> yeah, no, no. listen, that I, I love that. Listen, I, I met Shane Doan a couple times when I was, like, mm-hmm. real little. Um, so, so then, like, that's one of those, like, meeting players and stuff like that as, like, a small kid. It's, like, one of those things that, like, you never forget sort of thing. Um, they, they sign jerseys. I, I – didn't live there when Brizgalov was there, which is unfortunate. But like Peter Mueller and all that stuff. So, so I always, mm-hmm. I'm always, I'm always rooting for the Coyotes. So that that's that's too bad to hear. Yeah, this is going to be eight straight seasons of no playoffs now uh, for the Coyotes, and it's just like there was so much optimism at the beginning of the season, right? I projected this team to make the playoffs this year um, as like a third seed in the Pacific Division. And, uh, you know, you get Phil Kessel and all the pomp and circumstance that comes with that. And just to have it just fall, just fall out of nowhere um, and not make the playoffs again, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, now we have to wait a whole nother year to try and make another playoff run. Because <laughs> if you haven't noticed, all the other uh, teams here locally, the Cardinals are garbage. They won five games this year. Uh, the Diamondbacks are okay. You know, they're a 500 team, and the Suns are coming off of, like, 35 wins in the past two seasons combined. So, it's uh, – as Corey and I joke all the time on our show, we always say that Phoenix sports can't have nice things. That's, like, our, our motto. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have one more question for you, and it's, it's a question that I ask all the guests on. It's, it's like, my, my finishing question. And so, obviously, people listening to this will already know what it is. But I like to ask people – can you give me one underrated player that we as Stars fans should, should watch for? Uh, like, this, this could be someone that the media doesn't talk enough about, someone that you just have for some reason, just have loved for no reason at all, just, just but, you know, like a, like a not name brand person on your team, someone to watch for. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, if it has to be a Coyote, I'll go one way. But if it doesn't have to be a Coyote, I'll go, can I give you two players? I'll give you a non-Coyote and a Coyote. Sure, go ahead. That you would be the okay. first to do that. So go ahead. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So coyotes wise, um he's hurt right now, unfortunately. He's out with the hip injury for the last couple of games. I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but in my opinion, Jacob Chikrin, defenseman, he's twenty one years old and he is turning himself into a player that I think in the next four or five years is going to start getting the kind of attention of a 
of a Norris Trophy winner. I don't think he, – like, he's not going to put up the numbers of a Quinn Hughes or a Kale McCarr offensively, but um, in my opinion, the Norris Trophy shouldn't just be about the most points scored. It should be about your entire game as a whole. And Jacob Chikra not only is a guy who's having his best season offensively this year, he is, in, in my opinion, their most consistent defensive player. Nick Dralmerson is really good, but Jacob Chikrin, he's the guy that draws the best from every team. So he's the guy that plays against Connor, the Connor McDavid's of the world, the, the Miko Rontanen's of the world. He's the guy on the ice that plays them. So I love watching Jacob Chikrin play, and I can't wait to see him like continue to evolve over the next you know, five or six years. Because, again, he's 21. He's in his third year in the league. Uh, I love watching Chicker and play on the Coyotes. And then my non-Coyote, uh, you're going to laugh at this, but I, right. I always, I always want to bring up his name because he is near and dear to my heart, uh, which is that uh, we're going to laugh so hard. Tobias Reeder. Uh, he's, my, <laughs> he's my favorite okay. non-Coyotes player because uh, he was – when he was here in Arizona – he was my favorite player just because of his, his style of play. And uh, he was just always smiling. And, like, I just I – just, I, I, I loved him when he was here. I joke with Corey about this all the time. I call him my man crush. I call him, I call him Tobey. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so gotcha. I, I – uh, he only has, like, four goals this year, but who cares? I still love him. <laughs> I, I, hey, man, his best days were in Arizona, so you got to see mm-hmm. him at, at the height Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Richie, it has been a pleasure to have you on. So I will give you the floor to uh, plug whatever you want. So uh, the mic is yours. Thank you. Uh, so you can uh, listen to Corey and I show, obviously, on the Hockey Podcast Network. It's called Sporty with Corey and Richie. We talk about the Arizona Coyotes and other random crap, too, for that matter. Uh, I have a feeling that on, on this episode, we're, I'm going to record the show uh, after you, you and I are done. So. Uh, coming up later tonight. So uh, I have a feeling Corey and I are going to talk about this new Netflix show that I've been watching that my roommate was like, hey, you got to watch this show with me. It's called Love is Blind on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Okay. It is uh, – if, if you want to watch trash television that is terrible but you can't turn your eyes off from it, it, Love is Blind, go watch it. Corey and I will probably talk about that on our show. You can follow us at Corey underscore Richie Show. On Twitter at Corey Ritchie Show on Instagram. Uh, and then my personal Twitter is at rflores91. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, you are also the first person ever to suggest a Netflix show to watch uh, on, on. Yeah, the you're show. welcome. So, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure, and we will definitely have to catch up near the end of the season to uh, hopefully talk about how you were wrong and the Coyotes made the playoffs. I would love it. I can you imagine? Because like the two, the Stars and Coyotes games this year have been intense. Uh, I would actually I don't know, but I would probably uh, would enjoy a Stars Coyotes like uh, divisional round playoff series. That would be fun. I have a feeling that Jamie Ben and OEL would not have a very fun time with that series. Oh no, they would not. <laughs> <laughs> and and behalf of, behalf of the stars, I would like to apologize uh, for that because that it was pretty bad. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate yeah. that. Because the league didn't understand that. Oh, I'm okay. The show's over. I'm not going to rant. <laughs>
All right. Well, thanks for coming on again, man. Hey guys, I just want to pop in and talk about my friends at Southern Scholar. Southern Scholar is a hockey player owned menswear company based in Dallas. In fact, their founder still plays hockey several times a week in the local beer leagues in Dallas. They're a menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through their monthly subscription or their shop. Simply put, Southern Scholar makes the best dress socks in the world, seriously. Crafted with their one-of-a-kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns, their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday attire. Included with each pair is their signature style card containing tips, tricks, and styling recommendations to help you best pair your socks to get the most out of your look every time. Southern Scholar brings you a unique yet professional dress sock, which can be worn in the most prestigious of environments. Their socks have the perfect combination of stretch, softness, and breathability, providing a true mid-calf fit that stays in place throughout your entire workday. You can join their monthly sock club and enjoy all your member benefits like lower prices, exclusive sales, and access to their member shop, or you'd shop their collection without a subscription. Either way, you'll be saving money using code THPN. That's THPN like the Hockey Podcast Network. And guys, I just want to say I have a couple pairs of these, and man, they look so good. And then you just put them on. They are engineered to form fit your foot and leg and to stay up on your calf all day. So if you're wearing dress pants, you don't have to worry about reaching down to pull up your socks because they've started to scooch down and they feel uncomfortable. These things fit well. They look amazing. And I hope you guys enjoy them as much as I have. And that leads us into our NHL trade deadline quick hits. I'm going to do this really fast and I'm just going to give it a quick yay or nay on whether or not I like it. So we've got the Edmonton Oilers, the day of the trade deadline, acquiring Mike Green from the Detroit Red Wings for Bronziak and a conditional fourth. I'm pretty sure Bronziak has either retired or is on LTIR. So low risk, low reward for the Oilers. Yeah, I'm in for it. Colorado Avalanche acquire Vladislav Nemestikov from the Senators in exchange for a fourth round pick. Good, like it. The Islanders acquire Jean-Gabriel Pajot from the Senators in exchange for a 2021st, 2022nd, a conditional 2022 third. Uh, that's a steep price to pay for Pajot, but the Islanders are just keep taking in that sort of, you know, skilled but grind forward. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes acquire forward Vinny Trocheck from the Florida Panthers in exchange for forward Eric Halla. Lucas Walmart, a Finnish name I'm not going to try and pronounce, and another prospect, Chase Prisky. Um, I don't know what Florida was thinking of this. I like the move for the Hurricanes, so yeah, for them, great for them. That's that's a great move. He's an amazing second-line center, but what in the world is Florida doing? That's a no for me for Florida. Colorado Avalanche acquire goaltender Michael Hutchinson from Toronto in exchange for our defenseman, Callie Rosen. And I like that for Toronto, considering they're having every defenseman under the sun go down right now. The Philadelphia Flyers acquire Nate Thompson from the Montreal Canadiens eh, draft for a 2021 fifth round draft pick. Okay. Philadelphia Flyer acquired acquire Derek Grant from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Kyle Chris Kulo and a fourth. Okay. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins acquire forward Patrick Marlowe from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a conditional 2021. You remember how much Toronto paid to get rid of him <laughs> to the Hurricanes? So that's all I'm saying for that one. 
Buffalo acquired forward Wayne Simmons from the Devils in exchange for a conditional 2021 fifth. Okay. Edmonton Oilers acquire Andreas Athanasiu and Ryan Kufner from Detroit in exchange for Sam Gagne, a 2022nd and a 2021 first. That's a pretty cheap price to pay for a speed demon. He could really tear it up with McDavid. I like that deal. Boston Bruins acquire forward Nick Ritchie from Anaheim in exchange for Danton Heinen. You're swapping forward forwards there. Okay. Florida Panthers acquire Emil Juice, not, not the juice from the Capitals, for Dallas Stars in exchange for a 2026-round pick. So I apologize. The Stars did make a move on trade deadline. Uh, I'll take the, the sixth-round pick for Emil Juice. The Pittsburgh Penguins acquire Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for Dominic Cahoon. I guess, I mean, I guess the Penguins are doing it, and Sherry works so well with Crosby. Vancouver acquires Louis Domingue in exchange for Zane McIntyre from the Devils. That makes sense now that Markstrom is down. The Vegas Golden Knights acquire forward Nick Cousins from Montreal. Okay, just another depth forward. Calgary acquires defenseman Derek Forbert from LA for a conditional fourth round. Uh, again, depth defenseman. The Edmonton Oilers acquire Tyler Ennis from the Senators in exchange for a 2021. That's a depth forward that can move up and down your lineup. I like that. Chicago Blackhawks. All right. I mean, depth defenseman. Eric Gustafson from Chicago in exchange for a 2023rd. That is a offensive defenseman or not great in his own zone, but that'll he'll look good on a power play. The Washington Capitals get Daniel Sprong in exchange for Christian Juice. Uh, it's kind of a crazy how much of a downfall Juice has gone through. And, I mean, the Capitals will get sprung. He'll be fine. The Columbus Blue Jackets acquired Devin Shore for Sonny Milano. I didn't make didn't like this one at all for Columbus. I know that Portorella doesn't like Milano, but the dude is so talented, so skilled. It's hard to part with that sort of skill, especially for Devin Shore. Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning acquired Barkley Goodrow and a 2023rd-round pick. Um, that's a depth forward for a team already just stacked talent. Arizona Coyotes, uh, they're just changing as, you know, some depth for a conditional pick. San Jose Sharks get Brandon Davidson from Calgary for future considerations. That's probably going to make room for Gustafson. The Ottawa Senators get Michael Pekka from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Aaron Luchuk and a 2027th round pick. Just swapping forwards and a pick, I guess. I don't really know why Ottawa would want Michael Pekka. The New York Islanders acquired defenseman Jordan Schmaltz for Toronto in exchange for that swapping of AHL players. The Edmonton Oilers get uh, an AHL gold or OHL goaltender. They lose a defenseman, probably for Green. The Nashville Predators swap defenseman and for Matt Irwin, uh, depth defenseman there. Carolina Hurricanes, this was the defenseman I, I forgot to mention. Get Sami Vatnin from New Jersey in exchange for forward Jan Kukkonen, defenseman Frederick Clayson, and a conditional 2024th. Uh, that's, a, again, another big pickup by Carolina, picking up more and more defensemen. Then the Vegas Golden Knights acquire goaltender Robin Leonard and Martin DeZirkle from Chicago in exchange for Malcolm Subban and another AHL prospect and 2020 second-round pick. So... All of a sudden, Vegas now has an unbelievable strong goalie tandem there down in the desert. That is scary. That might, depending on how they both play, rival what the Stars have here. Then the last move of the trade deadline, the last trade for the year, Carolina Hurricanes get another defenseman, like I said, Brady Shea from New York for a 
2020 first round pick. So the Hurricanes are going all in. That is the, you know, it's not so quick because there were a ton of moves. Um, there are some big ones. I think the clear losers in this one were the Florida Panthers. No idea what they were doing. Ottawa and Detroit just continued to bring in picks. So did the Ducks as well. Some people sort of just treaded water. And I think the big winner to come out of this one is Carolina. They are throwing everything at it to just pull in as many players as possible, as many defensemen. Or the other one, I would say, Vegas getting Leonard. And I know you know, Carolina brought in like four new, four or five new players there. Vegas only brought in Leonard. They are, I mean, that Leonard could be that important to the, the Golden Knights. That is really the, all the news from this week is everything from the trade deadline. So we have a few upcoming games here for next episode. We've got Thursday, the Stars play the Boston Bruins in Boston and then we play the St. Louis Blues on Saturday. This is a another measuring stick one. We got absolutely blown out in our old building, dominated. It's time for the boys to come to work here and really, really show the Blues what we can do in their own building. Return the favor to them, boys. Like, come on. So that is going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed. Be sure to follow this podcast on Twitter. That is at clean skate pod on twitter so you guys can vote in the player poll for this upcoming player profile and as always be sure to follow the hockey podcast network for all sorts of other time fun content from the other creators that is at hockey pod net on twitter and i will talk to you cowpokes in the next one